I want you to open up your Bibles with me, please, to the, the book of Luke, St. Luke, chapter 10. This story in chapter 10 is the only place it is found here in the Gospel of Luke. There's no other place in the other Gospels. It's a story about Mary and Martha, the last five verses of this chapter 10 of the Gospel of Luke. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. It says, Now it came to pass as they went that Jesus entered into a certain village, and that village would be Bethany, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving, and came to him and said, Lord, Dost thou not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she would help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary has chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. I want to use for a subject tonight two Sassy women. May be seated. Two sassy women. Now, let me say real quickly if you get the right dictionary, notice I said get the right dictionary. Sassy is a compliment. If you get the wrong dictionary, sassy is not a compliment. So we're going to look at a compliment, uh, being a, a compliment to the women here. Two sassy women, Mary and Martha. Uh, you know, it's nothing like the story you have here where Jesus is invited into the house of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. They're in Bethany. And Martha has invited Jesus into the house and they're getting ready to prepare a big feast, a big meal for Jesus. There's about 16 people gathered there probably. And um, Mary is very busy. She's working hard. And it's amazing how she instantly, instantly became the speaker of the house. She came to Jesus and said to him, "Dost not thou care that um, Mary has left me alone to serve? Nothing like ordering Jesus around, huh? She took over. And we need to understand, too, that she interrupted a very good Bible study. She did. She interrupted a Bible study because she was so consumed with the affairs of herself and the things that she needed, she felt she needed to accomplish that she interrupted the Bible study. And came to Jesus and said, Does not thou care that my sister has left me alone? Now, a lot of people believe that this possibly was a time in which they were, they'd already eaten and they were cleaning up. As, uh, my sister's left me here to clean up. I don't think that's the interpretation. I think Martha was preparing a an, an wonderful meal. I think that's actually the, the teaching in this. But I want to point out these two sisters in a way that we can relate. The first thing I want to point out is that it was Martha that 
obligated herself. Martha obligated herself. Look at verse 38. Now it came to pass as they went, he entered into the certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. It was Martha who requested and invited Jesus into her house. So therefore Martha was obligated, she obligated herself to do certain things to prepare a meal for Jesus Christ. Martha not only was obligated, but she was extremely busy. And we can relate to that. We can be extremely busy. And then Mary, what was she doing? Well, she was just chilling out. She was just at the feet of Jesus Christ, and she was just relaxing. She was keeping her marbles in her head. She was keeping her sanity. She was keeping herself stress-free. She was keeping herself relaxed at the feet of Jesus Christ. There's way too many people that are not relaxed because they don't sit at the feet of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't want to sound like Martha is the, the, the minor part of this, these two sisters because that's not true. Mary and Martha, neither one of them were super saints. They were great friends of Jesus Christ, but neither one of them were super saints. Martha was a hardworking woman. She was very busy. But she had obligated herself to um, fix a meal for Jesus Christ. Martha was very busy. According to verse 40 and 41, she was cumbered about with much serving, Jesus Christ said, and uh, she was serving alone. At least she felt she was alone alone serving. And then we find also in John chapter 12, verse 2 and 3, that Martha was again serving at a meal there in John chapter 12. Martha was busy. Now let me begin just by saying some things tonight that you can relate to. We are obligated ourselves to do many things. A mother and father is obligated to be a good parent to their children. We are obligated to be a good neighbor. We are obligated to provide for our homes and our families. We're obligated to take care of those around us. We're obligated. In fact, you can't be a good Christian and not be obligated to do certain things. And Martha was obligated. She was obligated to take care of the things she invited Jesus into her heart. In her, in her house. And the, the honest truth is, uh, if we're going to be a good Christian, we must invite Jesus into our schedule. We must invite Jesus into our house, into our home. And Mary was very busy. She was cumbered about with much serving. And uh, she just, I, I don't know what caused her to snap, but she, whatever it was, maybe a pan fell on off of the counter and made a loud noise and she comes storming in and she interrupted the Bible study and she said, Lord, does not thou care that my sisters left me alone to serve here? And Jesus Christ told her, you're, you're busy about many things. You're, you know, you're, you're cumbered about with so much serving. Everybody in this room, you have obligations. Your job, you got to pay your bills. You got to take care of things in your home. You have obligations. 
Martha had obligations. She obligated herself. And let me tell you, friends, when you become a born-again child of God or a friend of Jesus, you have obligated yourself to live a Christian life at work, at home, in front of your neighbor, in your entire life. You're obligated to live a great Christian life as a mother or father, a parent in the family, amen, and reaching out to touch either. We are obligated to honor the Lord. So Martha was very, very busy. She was busy. And I would venture to say that you in this room right now, you are busy. You're busy. There's a, there's a 101 things that you need to do. You're very busy. But you've taken time to come to church tonight so that you can practice the presence of God. That's what we do when we come to church. Whether we sit down, stand up, and shout, and sing unto the Lord, we're practicing the presence of God. And Mary sit at the feet of Jesus Christ so that she could practice the presence of God. Have you ever noticed when you start to pray, you get alone and begin to pray, there's 101 things you begin to think of that needs to be done. Have you ever done that? Anybody, anybody ever went to pray? I know when I come here at four in the morning or five in the morning to pray, I can think of a hundred things that needs to be done. I just have to say to myself, self, get up there and pray. Let everything else go. I have to focus my mind on the things of God. And so when you pray, there's distractions. The devil will try to distract you. And can you see, I want you to see the picture here. Mary is worshiping Jesus. Mary is listening to the word of God, an intense Bible study. She's at the feet of Jesus. Martha's in the kitchen working. And Martha's got her apron on. And Martha, she walks by the door and she goes, looking out there to see her sister. And maybe Martha put her finger out and did this to her. And Mary just gives a stare out into blank space. But Martha's going... And I want you to know that's what happens with our lives when we get busy. There's always busy doing this to us. Let me know what I'm talking about. We're all, busy is always doing this to us. And I can just see Martha giving Mary the look. And the look is like, if you don't help me, you're going to get it. And that's what happens in our busy life. Everything you need to do does this. And you think, if I don't get it done, I'm going to be, you know, in big trouble. And so it got to the point that Mary wouldn't budge. She stayed at the feet of Jesus Christ. Mary is chilling out. Mary is relaxing. Mary is refreshing herself. Mary knew that there was work to do. Mary knew that there was things to do. Mary knew that there was obligations. Mary knew that there was problems. Mary knew that there was things she had to do. But Mary also knew that she had to sit at the feet of Jesus Christ and refresh herself and encourage herself and strengthen her if she's ever going to be successful as a child of God. And so Mary is sitting there at the feet of Jesus. And I can just see Mary looking around the corner at Martha, looking around the corner at Mary. And I can just see Martha doing this, or Martha doing this, or Martha giving her a look, or Martha going, psst, psst, 
in here, in here, in here. How many ever heard your busy life saying to you, in here, over here, you've got things to do. And Mary just sits at the feet of Jesus Christ and she doesn't budge. Now, how many would agree that when Martha comes storming in, in the middle of Bible study, that is one sassy woman? Amen? She is one sassy woman. But we got to understand, too, that Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus Christ is pretty sassy herself. I'm not moving. This is my Savior. I'm not leaving. This is awesome Bible study. This is wonderful. And, and, and so the Marthas in the world have a problem with the Marys that won't get up and move and help. And Marys has a problem with the Marthas that just want to do, you know, serve and serve alone. And I want to say both are correct. Both are awesome. Both are, we are obligated to do things like Martha. We are obligated to live the life for God. We are obligated to serve God. But we cannot take ourselves out of the position at the feet of Jesus Christ. We must spend time with God. We must come apart and pray or we're going to come apart. We must come to the throne room of God. We must bow in the presence of God, practice the presence of God, come to church, practice the presence of God, open your Bible, read, practice the presence of God, pray and talk to God, practice the presence of God. And yes, there's work to be done. Yes, Martha is busy. Yes, Martha is much serving. Yes, Martha is incredibly obligated to take care of the jobs that she had to do. She obligated herself to prepare a meal for Jesus Christ when she invited him into her house. And I want you to know when you as a mother and father have a child, you obligate yourself to raise that child, take care of that child. When you have, uh, let me just take it to another point. If you decide to get a dog, you obligate yourself to take care of that animal. Amen? I get so aggravated at people that mistreat animals. Amen? I mean, cats can defend for themselves, but dogs are helpless. Well, I'm just being honest. And you know them dogs love you with an unconditional love? They got bad breath, but they love you. They can be stinky, but they love you. You can be mean to them, but they love you. And they're going to live 10 to 15 years. A very lucky dog lives to be 20, but we're talking 10, 15 years, the length of a dog usually. And they love you. They're committed to you. They'll never betray you. They'll never be unfaithful to you. They will be your friend and your whole life. As a dog, their whole life is you. You are their whole life. Hello? And so we need to understand that our children too, as we raise them up, you as parents are their whole life. A little boy, a little girl, you are their whole life. You, you feed them, you take care of them. And when we invite Jesus Christ into our home, then we have more obligations. And that obligation is to let Jesus Christ be first in our home. The obligation is to minister to Jesus Christ. Martha made an obligation. She was obligated 
And she, of course she was busy. And I'm obligated. You're obligated. You've got busy things to do. But, but that busy's always doing this to you when you're trying to pray. That busy's always psst, psst, over here. And sometimes busy just comes to you and says, fine Christian you are. you got things to do. And you leave me here alone to serve. Well, I'm here to tell you, that you'll never waste one second of time at the feet of Jesus Christ. There is not one moment wasted at the feet of Jesus Christ. Hello. And so Mary stays there, and Martha tells her to, to tells Jesus, doesn't like being the speaker of the house, tells Jesus, don't you care? That's a horrible thing to say to Jesus. Don't you care? I'm doing all the work over here. Don't you care? And Jesus Christ says, Martha, Martha. You know when God calls your name twice, you're in trouble. Right? I knew when my mama called my name twice, I was in trouble. Amen? Now, Jesus many times would use the name twice out of endearment. My mom never used my name twice in endearment. She used my name twice because there was coming a discipline (laughs) uh, my mom was getting ready to discipline when she said, James, James. And then if she ever said, James, James, Leroy, Akins, get in here. That was a death sentence. That was execution coming. And of course, I realized that I'm still here and I'm alive. Mama loves me. She didn't kill me. I just cried like I was dying. She got a hold of me. But Jesus Christ says to Martha, you're careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. Mary has chosen that good part that shall not be taken away from her. So we see that Martha and Mary are sassy women. You say, well, I don't see that in Mary. Well, you got to go to chapter 11 of St. John to see that in Mary. Every time you see Martha, and according to our reading that we just read, every time you see Martha, she's serving. In John chapter 12, she's serving. Every time you see Mary, she's on her face. She's worshiping. Every time you see Mary, she's at the feet of Jesus Christ. She's worshiping. That's true in our text tonight. In John chapter 10, that's true. In John chapter 11, that's true. In John chapter 12, she's down Worshiping Jesus Christ. But let's see a little bit of sassy Mary for a minute. We need to see a little bit of sassy Mary. Remember Lazarus died, and they sent word to Jesus in in John chapter 11 that Lazarus, their friend, was sick. And they told told, uh, Jesus by messenger that Lazarus was very sick, and your friend is sick, and, and you need to come. Well, the truth is that Jesus stayed two more days, and then that brought him to the time of Bethany. Lazarus had been dead by that time. By the time he got there, two-day travel, four days already. So Lazarus is in the tomb. Amen. I mean, he's graveyard dead. Lazarus is a good name, Lazarus. And Lazarus, you know, there's something interesting about Lazarus, too. In... in, um, in John chapter, in Luke chapter 10, it doesn't say it, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess 
that Lazarus was doing the same thing he was doing in chapter 12, sitting at the table waiting to eat. I'm going to guess that. Because in John chapter 12, you have Martha serving. You, uh, it says that Martha served there in verse 2 of John 12. Well, let me read that to you. There they made him a supper, made Lazarus and, and Jesus a supper. Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. So you have, you have Martha serving. You have Lazarus sitting at the table waiting for the food. And you have Mary in verse 3 breaking out a spikenard box of uh, ointment and breaks it and puts that sweet ointment, verse 3, and Mary took a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Now, let's look at some things that, that um, the Lord spoke to me concerning this John chapter 11. Both Martha, when, when Jesus finally came to Bethany and Lazarus was already in the tomb, both Martha said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Mary and Martha said the same words. Lord, if you had been here, my brother had not died. Let me read that to you in, in uh, John 11. Look at verse... Um, 21, it says, Then Martha said unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. Then Mary says in verse 32, And when Mary was come where Jesus was, she saw him. She fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. Both sisters said the same thing. To Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. They both said that. I can picture when Martha hears that Jesus is coming. Lazarus has been dead four days in John chapter 11. And I can just see Martha, when she shows up, her hands are on her hips. She's looking at Jesus and says, you're late. I can just see her saying to Jesus, where have you been? Your friend has been sick. You've been gone. Lazarus has suffered so much. And where, what'd you do? Why'd you drag your feet? What do you, I know whatever you say you'll do. I know that you've got it under control. And Jesus says, your brother arise again. And Martha says, I know that. He'll rise in the resurrection the last day. I know that. And Jesus says, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? And she says, I believe. Word comes to Mary. Now, Martha's got her hands on her hips, says, where have you been? You're late. Mary on the other hand, when she finally gets out to the cemetery or outside the town where Jesus is, they're not at the cemetery yet, but when Mary gets there, you know what she does? She falls on her face at the feet of Jesus. And she says, you're late. That's what she said. 
Lord, if you'd been here, my brother had not died. She said basically the same thing that Martha said, only Martha probably said it with her hands on her hip, but Mary said it on her face. Oh, you say, oh, that's so sweet. That's so supernatural. No. Let's look at it for what it really is. Martha comes out there. Mary comes out there, rather. Mary comes out there, and she falls on her face. She's crying, and she's sobbing. And she said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother had not died. Basically, what Mary was saying is, you let me down. You let me down. I've been sitting at your feet, but you let me down. You say, well, wait a minute. Mary stayed in the house, and Mary was grieving, and Mary's a super saint. No, Mary and Martha, neither one were super saints, nor are you and I. We have the same feelings that Mary had. And Mary fell on her face and said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother had not died. And what, what was Mary doing? Mary was appealing to the to the sympathy and appealing to the compassion of Jesus Christ. Hello, that's what she was doing. She, she, was, she was trying to put Jesus on a sad trip. She was trying to manipulate Jesus and make him feel sorry. And she fell on her face and said, Lord, if you'd have been here, oh, you ought to have seen the way Lazarus died. It was so awful. Now you're starting to see it? Sassy. And she says to Jesus, if you'd been here, but I know that whatever you decide to do, it'll be done. Because you're an awesome friend of Lazarus. You're an awesome friend to us. Now you say, How, do you have scripture for that? I do. How many ever tried to get God to do something on the sympathy side of you? You're sad. Anybody ever went to God with sad eyes? Anybody went to God with a broken heart? Anybody went to God with a, with a, with a troubled soul? Anybody went to God hurting and, 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 and grieving and, and you just wanted God to feel sorry for you? You ever went to God when you felt like God had let you down? You ever went to God when you felt like this suffering that I'm going through is totally unnecessary. This problem that I'm going through is totally unnecessary. This sickness in my body is totally unnecessary. Doesn't God care? Have you ever went to God and said, God, don't you understand I'm hurting? Don't you understand my family's hurting? Don't you understand, as, as Mary would say, Lazarus suffered so bad. Don't you understand? You're late. You came. You didn't come when we called for you. And we don't understand, but we understand this one thing. You're the only hope we've got. Jesus, you're the only chance we've got. Whatever you say, it'll be done. What was she doing? Mary was being pretty sassy there. Because she, was, she didn't know Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, but she was acting out Hebrews 4, 15. What does Hebrews 4, 15 say? For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but in all points tempted like as we are, yet Jesus was without sin. So the Bible says that we have a high priest that can be touched. He's not a high priest that cannot be touched. He can be touched. And so Mary comes to, to Jesus and says, 
If you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died on her face. Now, now Martha's kind of, she's barking orders. Martha says, I know, and, and, and you know, you let us down. And, 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 and Jesus said, well, I'm going to raise him from the dead. And Martha said, I know someday it'll happen. Jesus says, no, 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 no. Get this in your thick head, Martha. I am the resurrection and the life. And Martha probably sent word to Mary and said, I don't know what he's going to do, but he's talking big stuff. You better get out here. And Mary comes running. She falls on her face and says, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother had not died. She was working on the sympathy side of Jesus. She, she, and you say, how do you know that? Because the next verse says, Jesus grieved. He groaned in his spirit. He was troubled in his spirit. I know that what Mary did worked. And I want you to know when you go to God with a contrite heart and you're broken and you're grieving and you're crying and you're suffering, it works. Because we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Our grief, our hurt, our sorrow, our, our pain, our trouble touches the heart and mind of God. We need to go to God. Amen. Tell God our sorrow. Tell him our pain. Tell him what we're going through because God can be touched. We have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our sorrow, with the feelings of our grief, with the feelings of our infirmities, with the feelings of our weakness. We have not a high priest that cannot be touched. Jesus Christ sits in the heavens. He can be touched. And when we touch him, he'll touch us. Amen. Praise God. I love that. And so Jesus tells Martha, your brother arrives again. And Martha says, I know, in the last day. And Jesus says, no, I am the resurrection. Martha sends word to Mar Mary, this guy's talking big stuff. You better get out of here. Mary comes running out of the house. Somebody, some people tried to make Mary a hero here, said the tradition was the women stayed in the house through time of sorrow. Mary wasn't any better than anybody else in this room. Mary was disappointed in Jesus. Mary was grieved. Mary was hurting. Mary felt like Jesus had let her down. But she had the wisdom to fall at the feet of Jesus Christ and let her broken heart be felt in the presence of of her friend Jesus Christ. She came and she played on his sympathy. She cried on his compassion. And Mary walks with Jesus into the graveyard. Jesus groans. Lazarus is in the tomb. And Jesus groans in the spirit. He prays and talks to the Father. I'm not praying to you, Father, because I, you always hear me. I'm doing this so that they'll know you sent me. And Jesus Christ says, take away the stone. Martha. Now, Lord, he's been dead four days. He stinks really bad by now. Can you hear Martha saying that? Pretty sassy lady. Lord, he's stinking by now. And I used to say, the Lord probably said something like this, well, hold your breath, hold your nose, this won't take long. And Lazarus has been dead four days. In the heat of the Middle East, the decomposing of the body comes quickly. They buried him the same day they died. He's in the cave, in the tomb, 
And Jesus Christ says, take away the stone. And they said, well, you know, he's really bad. I mean, he's, he's bad dead. I don't know the difference between dead and bad dead, but he was bad dead. Hello? I don't know whether bad dead or very bad dead or extremely bad dead. I think they're about the same thing. Dead is dead. But Jesus made sure that Lazarus was extremely bad dead. You see, he had already raised a young man of name. It just died, and they were taking him out to the graveyard, and he raised him out, out of the coffin. He just raised a little damsel girl that just died as the daddy had went quickly to find Jesus, and Jesus comes in and raises a little damsel girl. But when it came to Lazarus, your friend Lazarus is sick, and Jesus is thinking, okay, we're going to let him really get extremely dead. He's stinking by now. Take away the stone. Lord, he's stinking by now. And Jesus cries out to the Father, says, I want them to see that I'm talking to you. You always hear me. But he said, I want them to know you sent me. And with a loud voice, after the stone was rolled away, he said, Lazarus, come forth. Someone said, why did he call the name of Lazarus? Because if he hadn't named him, every dead person in that graveyard would have came out. If he'd have just said, come forth, everybody would have came out. So he picked Lazarus. Amen? Isn't that good stuff? Lazarus, come forth. Now, Lazarus had to be in shouting distance of Jesus. So I know that Lazarus was not dead in the sense of spiritually in his soul. Lazarus was not dead spiritually. He was somewhere where he could hear the voice of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ called him from another world to come back. And I want you to know, if you have a loved one who dies, they're not just asleep in graveyard dead. They are somewhere within calling distance of the voice of God. Every time, every time Jesus raised a dead person, the little girl at, uh, of the uh, little damsel, when she died, and also the the teenager, the young man of the city of Nain, and then Lazarus, every time Jesus raised the dead, he spoke their name or spoke who they were and said, come. He said, Tabitha, arise. And she arose. He said, young man. And someone might be saying in the other world, which young man are you calling? He said, the one in the coffin. What do you think? Arise. And the young man arose. He said, what did he say? I don't know what he said. The Bible says he spoke. He probably said, being a young man, I'm hungry. Right? And so when Jesus Christ said, Lazarus, come forth, Lazarus came out of the tomb. Now, the children of Israel learned a lot from Egyptian mummy finds. I don't know what they did to Lazarus when he died, but they may have stripped him of his intestines. They learned a lot in Egypt when they were in Egypt captivity. I don't know what they did, but he was probably wrapped like a mummy somewhat. And I don't know what all they did to Lazarus, but I'm telling you, he not only was extremely dead, he was probably extremely mutilated. And he was decomposing, and Jesus Christ said, Lazarus, come forth. 
Now, I don't know. I do know the scripture says that he told him to loose him and let him go. He came out with his grave clothes out of the tomb. Lazarus came out with his grave clothes on. And Jesus Christ said, loose him and let him go. Meaning unwrap him. <laughs> Unwind him. Take the napkin off his face. Take the, take the cords off his feet. Uh, unwrap him. Loose him and let him go. I don't know about you, but that just speaks volumes to my soul. When someone gets resurrected from the spiritual deadness of life and they become a child of God, we don't need to pick on them. We need to help them and unwrap them. So how do you unwrap them? You tell them that God loves them. How do you unwrap them? You tell them you'll make mistakes, but it's all right. You're God's child now. Just tell him your heart. Tell him your trouble. How do you unwrap someone and just get saved? You don't tell them how to live. You tell them, look, Jesus loves you. We're going to unwrap you. We're going to encourage you. God forgives you. You'll slip and fall. I'm sure that Lazarus still had a little bit of odor. Hello? And, you know, I've watched. One thing that no church should ever do, this one thing that no church should ever do, is we should never try to make people clean after Jesus Christ saves them. It's not our job to cleanse them. It's the Lord's job to cleanse them. It's not our job to put burdens on them. It's not our job to put them down. It's not our job to hold them back. It's not our job to pull out their past. Our job is to tell them when they come to Jesus Christ, God is good. His mercy endures forever. He loves you. You'll trip and stumble, but get back up because God has a purpose for your life. Our job is to tell people, you may not be perfect yet, but oh, hallelujah, someday you will be. And we need to tell people in the house of God that you may trip and stumble, your past may be dirty, your present may even be defiled, but your future's whiter than snow. You're pure as a driven snow. You're loved by God. You're saved by God. You're delivered by God. And you're going to go to heaven to the person of God, Jesus Christ. Isn't that beautiful? There's been many backsliders that have a hard time returning to church because people won't let go of their sliding back. Are you hearing me? Been many backsliders that have a hard time returning to church because people won't let go of their sliding back. I'm going to tell everybody in this room, we got to let our past go. we got to let everybody else's past go. We have no right to live in the past or to live in someone else's past. Amen. Amen? Get out of their past. You don't belong there. Hello? And I say to those around me, get out of my past. You don't belong there. My past is past. That's why they call it past. Write that down in your notes. Past is called past because it's past. Hello. But you always got, you know, issues. People have trouble. You know, some people have trouble accepting the fact that they're forgiven from the Lord. Amen. Somebody needs to hear what I'm about to say. I remember when I first got saved, give my heart to Jesus Christ, and boy, I thought I was... I was there. I arrived. I was happy. 
God, God wrapped me in a blanket of grace. Kind of held me like a little newborn baby. He wrapped me in a blanket of grace. He took good care of me. But after a while, I needed diapers changed. After a while, I started getting a little older, and I'd fall and try, you know, I'd hit my head and, and bump my head. And I'm talking about spiritually. I began to grow in the Lord, and the, the Lord was just so gracious to me until one day when I got saved, I had a temper that was just un, unbelievable. I had a hot head. I had a temper that was bad. I have no temper now because God has threw enough Holy Ghost water on me that I can't even hardly even think about simmering. But I remember when I was young, I had a bad temper, bad temper. The kind of temper that would cause people sometimes to commit murder. I had a bad temper. When God saved me, he, 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 he cleansed me and he healed me. And, and to this day, I don't have a hot head. I'm, I, I'm not, I don't have a temper. Uh, all praise be to Jesus Christ. But I remember one time I was working in a, in a factory and a young man got to mouthing me. It just hit me wrong. Has anybody ever been, has anybody ever hit you wrong? Huh? I mean, I just got hit wrong. He was bad mouthing me. I just, and, and before I could think of it, I grabbed him and slammed him against the brick wall. And the minute I slammed him against, slammed him against the brick wall, the Holy Ghost stood between us, pushed me back and said, what are you doing, son? When I did that, that young man went off and told people he's supposed to be a Christian. And he slammed me against the wall. He didn't tell everybody what he was saying about me, but he said he's supposed to be a Christian. The Lord told me, true story, I'm working at this factory. And the Lord told me, he said, you go back and you apologize to that young man. And you tell him that you're sorry and what you did was wrong. And you ask for his forgiveness. I said, I already got yours. He said, you asked for his. And I said, I'm not going to do it. That, that's not how you talk to God. I said, I am not going to do that. And the Lord says, yes, you are. I said, I am not. He said, yes, you are. For that, you're going to apologize to everybody you work with and tell them you're sorry and what you did was wrong. And ask for forgiveness. I said, now I know I'm not. He said, you're what? I said, I'm not. He said, oh, really? He said, now you're going to go apologize to the faculty, to the, to, the, to the office. And you're going to tell them what you did, and you're going to ask for forgiveness. I got real quiet. And I said, yes, sir. So I went and apologized to the young man for what I did and asked for forgiveness. And I thought, you know, we can forget the rest. And the Lord said, and? And the Lord made me go to everybody that I worked with and ask for forgiveness and ask them to forgive me, and I should not have done that. And then the Lord told me, now go to the faculty, go to the office and tell them. Well, the office didn't even know what I did. And I went in there and apologized to the guy in the office. He looked at me, and he said, you're apologizing to me for something I know nothing about. And I never will forget what I told him. I said, the problem is God knows all about it. Whether you don't know anything about it or not, God knows everything about it. And I remember I asked him for forgiveness, and he said, I, he said I'm, I appreciate you doing this. He said, this 
shows me that you're a real Christian. You're a real Christian. But then after that, I had such a hard time letting go of what I did. Anybody ever had sin just try to, you know, the guilt just was kept there. I mean, I just kept having guilt. And I really struggled with the guilt that I had. And one day I was driving down the road and the Lord said, I want you to memorize 1 John 1, 9. And I said, okay. And I memorized it. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's one of the first scriptures I quoted and memorized. And the next time I started feeling guilty, the Lord said, quote that scripture again. And I bet I quoted that scripture 109 times. Till finally the Lord was saying, did you confess that to me? I said, I sure did, and everybody else. He said, what does that scripture say? I said, that scripture says, if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. He said, did I do that? I said, he did. He said, I want to ever hear you mention that sin again to me. You're done. Don't want you to ever bring it up in my presence again. I never will forget what he said. Get over it. I have. Get over it. Amen? And our terminology would be get over it, go to the lows and get a ladder and get over it. But anyway, the Lord didn't tell me that, but he did tell me to get over it. And I want to say to everybody in this room, you've got a past. God's telling you, confess it, ask God to forgive you, and get over it. Get over it and get on with your life. You've got a past, get over it and get on with your life. You've done something wrong in your life, get over it and get on with your life. And that's what it means when Lazarus came out and he said, take the grave clothes off, loose him, and let him go. Go to serve the Lord. You know where he went? John chapter 12. He went to a big banquet. Martha was serving. Lazarus was sitting. Fork and a knife at the table. Saying, hurry up, sister. I'm hungry. He's sitting. And Mary comes in in the middle of the meal. She breaks an alabaster box. She pours that sweet-smelling oil on the feet of Jesus Christ. Mary sobs and cries. She looks up at Lazarus, her brother, and she sobs and she cries with thanksgiving. And not only does she look at Lazarus and see that he is alive and that Jesus raised him from the dead, she sobs and takes her hair and wipes the feet of Jesus with her hair. Spreading that oil and that spikenard that filled the house with the odor. And Mary knew in her heart that one day the Savior would die for Lazarus. And one day the Savior would die for all of us. And he did. Said he did. And so every time we get together in church, I want that sweet smelling fragrance to fill the church. The love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God. Because we're always going to have the two sassy sisters. In fact, some of us are going to act like the two sassy sisters. But God understands that we have problems and burdens. And God's big enough to take our 
hurts and our infirmities and our sorrows and give us his grace and his mercy. Isn't that beautiful? Don't forget, we're obligated. We have obligations. We're to be busy. We're to serve God. And busy sometimes tries to keep us away from the feet of Jesus. And our busy life will do this. Our busy life will look at us. Our busy life will do this. Our busy life will look around the corner. Our busy life will go, psst, psst, come and help me. And sometimes our busy lives will finally walk up to us in the middle of a church service and say, I need you. Let's leave the service. I, let's don't pray. I need you. I need to get busy. Let, let me tell you, friends, it's important that we understand that nothing should break our connection with Jesus Christ. Nothing. Nothing should break our romance and our love with Jesus Christ. You need to pick a time to spend time with Jesus Christ. Amen? I've seen it in church. I've seen it in people's lives. They allow too many distractions to keep them from being connected to Jesus Christ. Teenagers used to be busy at doing nothing. And then many times we get old and we start doing the same thing. Nothing. It's called peddling around. We need to spend time with Jesus Christ. Amen? Hello? Hello? I've got to quit before I get myself in trouble. How many would agree that Mary and Martha are two sassy sisters? Incredible. And Martha was abrasive to the point. Mary was very emotional, very distraught. And she knew how to get the Savior's attention. And the Savior pulled Lazarus out of the hole. Amen? Praise God. We got another Lazarus sitting in this room. Richard McMain, he's a Lazarus. I call him Lazarus. You know why? Because he was as good as dead. I mean, I mean, Richard has had brain surgery. He's had heart bypass surgery, strokes. Heart attack. Look at him. He's healed in the name of the Lord. I mean, his family was told he's dead. I went up and seen you when you was really bad. And I drove off the parking lot. I said to myself, Lord, he's dead. He ain't going to make it. I understand he ain't going to make it. And then they called me up two days later and says, He's talking to everybody. You know, he's back. Lazarus is back. That's our Lazarus over there. He'll always be my Lazarus because I've seen him at the brink of death and the Lord brought him out. Amen. Isn't that good? Praise the Lord. Stand with me. We're going to give an invitation. Lazarus, you're a good man. Richard, you're a good man. You're blessed. You're a meek and humble man, but... I tell you what, I, you were so beat up and so sick, but yet God answered prayers. Answered prayers of your children, answered prayers of the, of the church, answered prayers of Josh and others in this room, Don and others answered prayer, and you came back from the dead. That's awesome. You're our Lazarus. Every church ought to have a Lazarus. 
And he is. He's our Lazarus. Risen from that place of death. The Lord spared his life. Amen. Josh is going to play and sing. We're going to invite you. Maybe you need to come and confess a sin. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. But I've got to warn you, when you do that, you've got to let it go. You just got to let it go. You can't let the past hang on to you. You got to let it go.